Um, back in the 90s, I used to be a, a youth leader with this church. We had uh, junior high Friday nights. Actually, uh, Pastor Tom and uh, actually Pastor Sheldon, we were, and Heidi, we were all serving back then. Of course, those guys are way older than me, but we used to serve together. And we used to sing this one song. And I've been, I've been thinking about this song and singing it a lot lately. It's called, Lord, I Lift Your Name on High. It was a wonderful song, just anointed and powerful. The words goes, You came from heaven to earth to show the way. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Now, this past couple weeks, I've been thinking and singing that song. Just yesterday, I came across a scripture in Exodus chapter 17. It talks about how Joshua uh, led the Israelites against a battle against the Amalekites. And Moses was very old in age already, so he couldn't fight or anything. But what Moses did is he ascended to a very high point, a hill. And whenever he raised his staff on high and he prayed for the people, the Israelites would advance. But whenever he got tired and he lowered his hands and the staff, the Amalekites had the advantage. So... Aaron and his friend Hur went up to him, sat him down on the rock, and lifted Moses' hands up so it would stay up, securing the victory for the Israelites that day. When we lift the name of the Lord on high, there is power and victory in doing so. There is. Like, perhaps, um, you know, we're struggling with uh, being alone and, and being depressed will lift the name of the Lord on high at that point. Perhaps um, your 14-year-old son is driving you crazy and all you want to do is lay hands on him and pray and pray. Lift the name of the Lord on high. And tonight as we give, you know, I know it's hard. It's not easy to give. But with joyous hearts and cheerful hearts and gratitude, if we lift the name of the Lord on high, we will be truly blessed indeed. So, Father God, we thank you so much for this time, Lord God. We lift your name on high. For you came from heaven to earth to show us the way. From the earth to the cross, our debt to pay. From the cross to the grave and from the grave to the sky. Lord, we lift your name on high, Lord God. So over our offering, over the giver, over this church, Lord God, we lift and exalt your holy and mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jonathan, you young man. Appreciate you telling me my age. Good evening, everybody. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, and we've been talking about the path to discipline prayer, and we're in that series. And what is so good about having a, a disciplined prayer life is that keeps us connected to God. You know, when God created us, he thought of everything. He, he, he thought of how he, we would be wired. He thought of how we would stay connected to him. He even thought about the difficulties that we would go through and how nothing should be able to impede our connection to him. In other words, praying to God is not about a location or if we're doing well or if we're in a certain well-being or a circumstance that is going well. He said, you can pray to me at any time. You can come to me at any time. You can seek me at any time. You can search for me with all of your heart. It's like God gave us opportunity after opportunity in how to stay connected to him. And he gives us those opportunities. The problem sometimes is not that God doesn't have a way for us to stay connected to him. The problem sometimes is we just don't have the discipline to stay connected to God. Because it requires discipline. Prayer requires discipline. The reason is because it's a choice that we make. Prayer is a choice. And prayer is a way for us to not only stay connected to God, but commune with him through our language, through our thoughts, with the heart that we have. So God does a phenomenal thing in this thing that we call prayer. Prayer is, is, like, is, is not like anything else when it comes to communication. Prayer is a, a specific way for us to stay connected to God. Now, we live in a world of information and a world that uh, we have communication systems uh, and, and certain things that help us to communicate. One is our phone. Our phone helps us to communicate, but it's not this that makes us communicate because this in itself does nothing 
unless it's connected to a cellular service or Wi-Fi. Once that's cut off or the battery dies out, this is useless. Nothing should be able to cut us off from God and that connection with him. The prayer life that we have. There's, there's no electricity that is needed. There is no battery life that is necessary. There's no wires that are needed for us to stay connected to God. God is so wise about how he wired us up that even though we may not be able to speak, the Bible says he knows our thoughts. That we can even pray to God in our thoughts. God thought about every single thing that we would go through and he included prayer in our relationship with him so that we would stay connected to him. And in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is asked from his disciples, teach us how to pray. They were asking him a bunch of questions throughout his ministry, but the one thing that they really honed in on was to teach us how to pray. Lord, we see the miracles, we see how good you are, we see the love that you have for people, but really out of all of those things we get, but we, we really want to know how to pray. So teach us how to pray. It would almost seem like Jesus would give a, a long talk on prayer, but he gives a short talk on prayer. He gives, he gives a template on how to pray. In other words, Jesus said, here's, the, here's, here's how you ought to pray. You don't need to say this word for word, but here's, here's some, some guidelines in how you are to pray. And in these guidelines, what's going to help you is that you're going to know at least what I'm looking for when it comes to prayer. And whenever we pray to God, what he's looking for is the heart in which we're praying. Even though you may be angry at God, even though you may be frustrated at God, even though we may not understand everything about God, he doesn't say when you get these things together first, then you can pray. Jesus just starts out very plainly without even a prerequisite of how you're feeling, how you're doing, your belief system. Jesus said, okay, this is how then you should pray in Matthew chapter 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, Jesus gives this prayer and gives no other prerequisite to pray. In other words, you can come to God just as you are. That's what Jesus was saying. You, you can just come to God just as you are. So when it comes to our faith in God and the things that we go through, he includes in this prayer certain things that you and I will go through. And in the series that we're in, The Path to Discipline Prayer, he talks about temptations because we'll all go through, we will all go through temptations. And we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer in the past couple of weeks, but tonight we want to talk about the faith that we have against temptation. Like, how do we live the life that God has promised us here on this earth when there are a lot of temptations around us? And so if you have your, your church app, in there are the notes that you can take, and we're going to be talking about my faith against temptations. And when Jesus says to pray like this, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, it comes with knowing that God will always give us the opportunity to be strengthened and to be empowered during that time through the temptation. All the while, him strengthening us through the temptation, knowing that victory is up ahead and victory will be ours, it all depends on our perspective and our response to temptations. We know this, that the Bible tells us that God doesn't tempt anyone. That's why Jesus says to pray, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Because we know that God doesn't tempt us. He's not the author of it. God doesn't tempt us, but the devil does. The devil is the one that brings temptation, but at the same time, our fleshly desires also bring in those temptations because our flesh, I, I think I'm making up a word, our flesh is temptable. We're, we're, we're susceptible to temptations. Our, our flesh has desires, and it doesn't always line up with the desires of God. The book of James says that, James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, it tells us, let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And what Jesus is not saying is that 
God, don't trick us into sinning. That's not what he's saying in this prayer. Like, lead us not into temptation. What he's not saying is, God, don't use us as a, as a pawn, like on a chessboard, that you're going to use us as, as we lose this life to gain something else. He's not saying that you're praying to God that he's going to trick us into a sinful situation. Because God doesn't lead us and tempt us. He doesn't lead us into the temptation for temptation's sake. He leads us into trials, though. That's why the Bible says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. And the reason for that is because God wants to strengthen us. He knows that there are certain trials that we would need to go through in order to obtain the promise ahead. Anytime God sees a promise up ahead, he's going to have a premise in order for us to get there. And the joy of this promise that comes into our life will always far outweigh the difficulty of the trial that you and I will go through. So he says you need to persevere through this because the joy afterwards will be so worth the trial that you went through. We just celebrated uh, Pastor Ben Urbanozo and, and his wife Katie Ann's uh, twins that were born a couple of days ago. And the joy on their faces when their twins came. To me, far outweighed the difficulty of Katie Ann carrying those two babies for the past almost nine months. I'm just speaking as a man, so I'm not, I'm not trying to like, relate to what you as women go through. All I know is this. The Bible even tells us that the joy after the, 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 the pain of childbirth, the joy afterwards is what everyone is looking forward to. The trials that we go through, the temptations that come our way, they're always going to be there because we live in that kind of world, but the joy that comes after the trials and the difficulties that we go through is where the promises of God lie. This is where he says, I, I, this is where I'm bringing you to. So it helps to understand when we go through various trials or even in, in, a, in a, a season of temptation, that God is going to do something out of this. He's, he's bringing us towards something. And in order for us to gain a better understanding of, of temptation and, and, and what that truly means, I, I want to give us uh, kind of two definitions to help us with what Jesus is talking about when it comes to the word temptation. And it's in your notes in, in the, uh, the church app. But temptation, it has two, it's like a two-sided coin. So it's, it's, it's on the same uh, just on different sides. It's the same coin, just two different sides. The first one is that when an adversary or opponent or enemy has the desire to test and break through my defenses. It's when an adversary, opponent, or enemy has the desire to test and break through my defenses. In other words, when we have an opponent, an adversary, they're... they're Desire is to destroy us. If we look at sports, that's what it is. They're two opponents trying to win over the other one. So the temptation, when that adversary or the opponent or enemy has the desire to test you and break through your defenses, not just to test you. They're not just going to test if I can do this. They're going to test to see if they can break through. Why? So that they can defeat you. That's the whole goal. So that's, that's what a temptation is. It's, it's with the intent to break you. The other side to the coin of temptation is the strength gained through encountering an adversary when the one being tempted overcomes the test. In other words, the victory brings strength. It's when that adversary is coming at you. Let's just say football. He's coming at you. He's trying to break through the line, and you're able to withstand your opponent and hold that person up and they cannot break through, you withstood them. You gained more strength. You were able to figure out their technique. You were able to develop a little bit more strength for the next time. It's, it's like you're learning along the way when the temptation comes how to once again be victorious and overcome it. You'll hear often in sports when it, either MMA or boxing or, or some type of uh, physical sport that when they're against an opponent that that opponent is supposed to win and you're the underdog or that person is the underdog, you will hear the commentators often say when that person is withstanding the person who's supposed to dominate them, you're going to hear them often say, look at their confidence being built. 
Look at how more confident that person is. Why? Because they're able to withstand their opponent when they thought they couldn't. And that's what Jesus is referring to when he says, on this side of the temptation, the strength gained through encountering an adversary, when the one being tempted overcomes the test, the victory brings strength. When we overcome because of the strength of the Lord, does that not strengthen us? I mean, have you ever celebrated when you and your spouse are about to fight? You know it's going to be like fighting words, but then you bring in the Lord, you pray, and you're victorious over it. It just adds strength to your marriage. That's what God is talking about. That's what Jesus is bringing to this prayer. He's saying there's victory when, there, when you overcome this temptation. Because temptation can be positive and negative. It all depends on our perspective and how we respond to the temptations that come our way. So when everyone is doing uh, the same thing or everyone is just going on with the world and, and everyone is doing what you're trying to overcome and God strengthens you to overcome that, when everybody else is doing that and they're saying, oh, come on, let's do this. And you're saying, no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break that habit or I'm, 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 I want to live different now or I gave my life to Christ so I want to be different. You're victorious. But you're also strengthened at the same time. The Bible even tells us that we have a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. They're cheering us on so that when the temptations come and we overcome it through the Lord's strength, through the power of the Holy Spirit, all of heaven is applauding us. Our faith against temptations will always be there. Temptations will never go away. It's, it's always there. That's why we're not, we're not praying, Lord, keep me away from anything that would tempt me. We're not saying, just keep me away from anything that would tempt me. Otherwise, where would we go in the world? We wouldn't even be able to reach out to unbelievers. And what Jesus is not saying is, just keep everything away that would tempt me. That I want to avoid what, what you went through, Jesus, when Satan tempted you. Remember in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4? In fact, I'll read it to us and in, in this, if you were in Matthew chapter 6, just go two chapters over. In this little encounter with the enemy, Jesus shows us the possibilities when we're tempted. It says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now, why did the devil use bread? Because Jesus was hungry. He was trying to get Jesus at his weakest point, which is still the strategy of the devil. So do not forget that. He would try to get you at your weakest point. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus didn't grumble with the devil about, well, you know, I, I am hungry, but I shouldn't. You know, I, I don't want to listen to you. He wasn't grumbling with the devil. He didn't argue his point. All he said was, you know, it is written. Because the word of God is our sword. This is our weapon. So he used the weapon against the tempter. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command. Now you see how the devil did that? When Jesus said, it is written, the devil was like, okay, I'm going to use the word of God on you, which might cause you to stumble and believe what I'm saying. So the devil says, you know, it, it is written. Almost like saying, no, you're right, you're right, it is written. It is in the Bible. It is in the Bible, so you can do this. It's okay. It's in the Bible. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him again. He said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In other words, what Jesus is saying is you can't just take one scripture and use it for your benefit. It needs to be the entire word of God. It is, it is also written. So we can go to the word of God and say, oh, it says, it says I can do this. Yeah, but it also says that's what Jesus is saying. We don't just look at the Word of God and take it out of context. He's saying, no, you need to know the entire Word of God. That's why it's important as we talk about doing devotions that we read the entire Bible. Even though you may not understand the book of Levit Leviticus. I can't even say it. Almost Filipino came out. The books that God has put together that it has been canonized is so that we can learn the entire Word and heart behind the Word of God. If we only go to our favorite scriptures or just our favorite books, we miss the entire word of God. It's like 
talking to someone on the phone and every now and then, they're, you know how the voice just drops out because they're in a bad location? It's, hey, Sean, it, that, so, meet me there. What do you think? And you're on the other side saying, wait, what, what did you say? I'm sorry, you're, you're dropping. Oh, yeah, I was just wondering, that, come house, okay, oh. all right. We're on the other side so irritated because we cannot understand. Now, if you're speaking to your spouse, you're getting even more upset. But that's what it would sound like for us to just read certain parts of the Bible without going through the entire Bible. That's what it sounds like. We're catching bits and pieces of the entire heart of God. And so we have a reading plan that takes us through the entire Bible in one year. One year. I want to encourage you, even, even, even um, challenge you, to get into the Word of God and read through the Bible. It's only about 15 to 20 minutes a day, sometimes even shorter. Some of you are fast readers, and you can, you can get through the, the chapters in no time and still remember it. Now, I'm not saying speed read. What I am saying is that we read at different speeds. And so for some of us, like me, I need audio and visual. I need both because I get distracted quickly. So I use both. Well, when you read through the Bible in one entire year, you do that year after year after year. After a while, when the devil comes to tempt you, you can also say what Jesus said. No, no, no. It is also written. Jesus could only say that because he is the word. I love it. He's the word. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. This is verse 8. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He says, all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. You know, it's so funny. Like, I crack up laughing at this part when the devil says, you know, all this I will give to you. I think Jesus might have laughed a little bit and be like, I own all this. Like, I own all this and heaven. So, what, are you going to give this to me? It's almost like the devil is saying, I borrowed your lawnmower so long that I think it's mine. So, now you've got to borrow it back. And Jesus says, you know, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and the angels came and attended him. Let's not miss that last point. The angels came and attended him. Do you not think the angels were right there ready? They were either going to do battle or they were going to attend to Jesus. God will do battle for us, but he'd rather attend to us. He'd rather be with us than only fight for us. He already overcame the temptations that will come our way. So he's thinking, why are you going to go through these battles? Just, I want to I be with you. So the temptations we go through is not about the temptation. And by the way, when the Bible says that Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted, let's not forget by who. Because it can almost seem like when Jesus said, lead us not into temptation, and we say, what, but God doesn't lead us into temptation. No, he did. He led us into temptation. Didn't God lead Jesus into temptation, into the wilderness? I thought that's what, that was the whole point. So it almost sounds contradictive. No, he led him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The devil was the tempter, not God. So we have to understand that, that the devil is the one that tempts, not God. Now, why did God lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Because it was at that point that when Jesus overcame the devil, the devil had no more power over Jesus. So Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then when the, when the devil left him, the angels came and attended to him. And in the book of Luke, it says, and then Jesus went with the power of the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit, and then he was empowered by the Spirit. It's two different things. See, when we encounter trials, even temptations that come our way, we may be led towards that trial, and as we go through that, find out that the strength that we were supposed to gain would not have been possible unless we went through this trial for what is about to come. We're led into this situation, these trials, so that we can leave out of that empowered by the Spirit. So, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Why? 
because the testing of our faith is gonna produce something. That, that, that's, how, that's how wise God is. That's how, that's how much foresight God has that he sees our life from beginning to end. And it, is, it was at this moment that when the devil was defeated by Jesus' words and that he didn't fall into that temptation that Jesus was able to go in the power of the Holy Spirit because what Jesus was about to do was not just gonna be life-changing for people. It was gonna be history in the making for all of eternity. This was an important moment. And so it is when we get tempted, when there are temptations that come our way, it's a very critical moment. Why? Because God sees something else. So when we go through this, know that there's something of victory that's gonna come out of this. That's why in John chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus is speaking and he says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world. And he's speaking of the enemy. The ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Nothing. He has nothing in me. You know what Jesus is saying? Don't let any part of the devil come into you. Any part of him. Don't let his eyes come into you. His ears, the way he speaks, come into you. Don't even, don't even let the enticements of the devil come into you. Don't even let his toe get into your life. His feet where you would walk on places and into places where there's evil and destruction and darkness. Jesus is saying the devil has nothing. There's nothing in me of him. There's nothing. And that's the life we look forward to. You see, when you let the devil know where you stand... Temptations are far and few in your life because he knows where you stand. With every, you know, when you watch a, uh, like, like a boxing match or mixed martial arts, with every, with every punch that is thrown or kick that is made, every ensuing kick or punch after that is weaker and weaker. And so it is with the devil the more attacks he gives towards us and we not allow anything in us of the enemy, the weaker and weaker he becomes. And the reason why he becomes weaker and weaker is because he can only feed off of our weaknesses because he's already defeated. That's why Jesus says, for the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. In other words, he has no power anymore. He's defeated, so there's nothing that is in me. I don't have anything of that evil in me. And so when you feel those temptations coming or even those attacks coming, take a stand. Stand for what Christ says you're able to stand against. Know that he's gonna give you the power and strength to do so. I remember when I was, uh, you know, when we were growing up, we would try different things, smoking or, you know, whatever else, and, and we would try those things. It was, it was those moments, those moments that came our way that we didn't have the strength. Maybe we didn't have the wisdom. Maybe we didn't know Jesus at the time. Maybe we didn't know that we had power from on high. Or maybe we were a believer and we were a Christian, but we didn't understand the, the power of the Holy Spirit and we, wouldn't, we weren't able to withstand the temptations that came our way and we fell into an addiction. But I can tell you this, when you're operating under the power of the Holy Spirit and you're saying, no, I'm, I'm gonna take a stand and I'm going to, I'm going to stand against drinking alcohol. I'm, I'm going to stand against smoking because it's bad for my health. I'm going to stand against these things. What happens is because you're standing firm, God says, I'm standing with you. Because God can only do as much as we allow him to. I can't say to God, God, help me, help me, help me. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop smoking, but I keep buying cigarettes. I, I, I got to cooperate with God too. So I know there's a process, and yes, it is very difficult because there's an addiction, there's a habit there, and it has to do with neuroscience. I understand that. But because we understand that, because we know what the problem is, we can bring in the problem solver. And so whatever we're dealing with, any type of addiction, and we're taking a stand, even in small ways, God says, I'm going to take a stand with you. Whatever is tempting you, that next cigarette, the next drink, pornography, whatever drug is you're addicted to, whatever is coming towards you, whatever temptation is out there, he said, I'm going to stand with you. Why can, why can the Spirit of God stand with us? Because Jesus overcame every single temptation that came his way. And he gives us that same spirit and same power. The temptations are still out there in the world. 
But if you take a stand, those temptations that come at you, the more you stand, the less power it has. And every ensuing temptation that comes thereafter becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. Even when I became a Christian and my friends didn't know, you know, they didn't know I was going to church yet. They didn't, they, you know, they, they didn't know that, you know, God came into my life. It's not like I was broadcasting it to everyone. I just, I just know that Jesus came into my heart and he changed my life for the better. Well, my friends really didn't know. So when I would go to parties, they would just offer me stuff. Just because of friendship, they would just offer me, eh, you like one beer? It's like, that's what they normally would do. And I say, no, 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 I'm good. It's like, eh, well, you're not drinking anymore. And it was through that season that I had to learn to say no and take a stand. But the more I did that party after party after party, and then they started to understand, oh, no wonder he goes to church. After a while, they never offered me anymore. To this day, the people that know me, when I go to a party, have never said, Pastor, Bill. They've never said that. I've gone to parties where I don't know the person, and they'll do that. Hey, brother, you like one beer? I'm like, um, no. No, I'm, I, I wouldn't do it. I just tell them, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. But it's through the years that when you're able to take a stand, one step at a time, one resistance at a time, and one, as these temptations come, one thought at a time, that the power that God gives to us through his spirit, as that becomes weaker and weaker, we become stronger and stronger because his, his power is made and his strength is given to us in our weaknesses. Oh, we know we're weak, we're, we're weak in these areas. We, we know that. And he knows it too. So he says, I'm going to strengthen you in these weaknesses that you have. It is not our strength. If we try to have a, a mantra that says, okay, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, don't drink, don't smoke, don't smoke, don't, don't do these things, don't do these things. We're thinking about the things that we shouldn't be doing, which causes us to be even more tempted. Why? Because we're thinking about it. So instead of trying not to think about these things, just think about something else. Instead of saying, I'm not going to think about this, I'm not going to think about this, stay away from these things. Stay. You're thinking about it, but you got to redirect your thoughts. That's what we learn about temptations. We just redirect our thoughts. Jesus is teaching this prayer, but it comes with the promise of victory, not, not a request to, to relieve us from the struggles that we go through. That's not what Jesus was saying when he said, lead us not into temptation. He's saying, you're still going to go through some struggles, but with the struggles come victory. That's where you're going to be strengthened. That's where you're going to find victory. It's through the struggle. If there is no struggle, how will you be strengthened and how will you know the victory and it's not that you have to go through this. It's in order for you to become everything that God is creating you to be, in order for me to become everything God is creating me to be, he's going he's gonna to take us through these difficult seasons so that we can become who he sees us to be. The phrase, lead us not into temptation, is not about asking God, God, please don't use us and, and, and take us through the ringer. It's not, it's not saying, God, please don't do this and, and that we might be in questionable situations. It's a phrase that means guaranteed victory and lead us not into temptation. It's a guaranteed victory only if we receive and act upon the teaching of God. We have to receive it. We can't just say, God, God, keep me away from temptations. We're saying, God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, there's victory on the other side, but I need to do my part, God. Remember in the book of Matthew when Jesus was saying that the one who hears the word of God and builds upon the sand is foolish. But the one who hears the word of God and acts upon them is like a wise person who built his house on the rock. The rains came, the winds came, blew against that house, and it did not fall. Why? Because he acted upon what God had said. It's not just hearing the word of God. It's doing the things that God has asked of us. So the prayer that Jesus says to pray is not a question of God's character. It's really a question of ours. Lead us not into temptation. Whatever trial we go through, that when we're led into a season or a difficult point, what Jesus is saying is pray that, Father, should we at any point be led into temptation, any temptation, test, or trial, 
We want to be delivered. We want to be victorious. We want to be stronger. And we want to be conquerors. That's what Jesus is saying to pray. See, the heart of God is looking for a heart that says, Lord, you won't put me or lead me into any kind of situation except ones for refinement, ones for growth, and ones for victory. That's the only way he's going to lead us. In, in other words, God already sees the outcome, so he says, you're going to be okay, but you got to know and you got to put your faith in me, knowing that you're going to come out okay. It's, 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 the, it's the faith that God gives to us that says we're going to be okay. That's why as husband and wife, it's so good to be on the same page with God, not just one another. It's with the thought of, okay, we're going through this difficult time. Lord, what are you doing? Because you're doing something. Something is going to happen through this time, through this trial. There's something of a promise that's up ahead. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There's victory up ahead, but I need to cooperate with God. And the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 37 tells us that yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's where the conquering comes from. It comes through Jesus Christ who loved us. The prayer that Jesus says to pray and, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Is, it, it says that when we come across any circumstance designed to lead us astray like how the devil did with Jesus. It was designed to lead him astray. Jesus is saying, no, this is the prayer that says, with any, with any circumstance that comes our way to lead us astray from God, that we will discern that it is not your will for me, for us, to continue in that direction, that we're going to change direction, that we're committing in advance, knowing that the victory is ahead to seek deliverance, to take the way of escape because he always provide the, provides the way that this is the promise that you have for us. That I'm, gonna, I'm going to commit in advance to want the victory. That I want to be victorious in you. That I want to seek deliverance from you. I'm going to seek you out for that deliverance. And then you're going to take the way of escape. I'm going to take the way of escape that you have already promised for me. I want to give you three things tonight to understand this that we are victorious in Jesus. That's, that's the only way we can be victorious. It is only through Jesus. It is not on our own strength. It is not by our own wisdom. It is not by uh, uh, doing certain things. It is only through Jesus Christ that we are victorious. Just imagine what he went through. And he was victorious. He gives us the same spirit. In other words, Jesus says, you know, I'm, let me go through the difficult things. Let me go through the, the, the hard things, the death on the cross, and then I'll rise from the grave and then give you that power and strength. It's, it's like Jesus goes through all the difficult things to have this strength that is built up through all of those temptations and every single trial that you and I will ever face. And then he says, now I give this to you. It's now in your life. It's called the person of the Holy Spirit. It's now in you. That power, that strength is in you. So any temptation that you and I will ever face, Jesus already faced this, faced it and overcame it. Now that strength is in us. So tell me we cannot overcome. He gave us that strength. We are victorious in Jesus. The second thing is that I will seek deliverance through Jesus. That's a, that's a, it's, it's like something that we need to remember to commit to, that if anything, I'm not going to seek deliverance from a drug, an addiction, or another person. I'm going to seek deliverance through Jesus. Why? The third thing is because I have an escape route promised to me from the Lord. He already has the escape route. With any temptation that's going to come in our life, Jesus says, okay, let me see. Here's, here's the route that you're going to take, and here's the escape route. This is the exit. Have you ever done the escape room you know, they have these rooms that you go into. These things are unbelievable. They're like, you have to be like a detective. And if you like solving puzzles and riddles, this is really good for you. Just don't go by yourself. You know, you might not get out. And you might just rip a hole through the wall. And you're like, hey, I found the way out. That's not the way out. But when you go into these rooms, you have to figure things out. You have to think things through. You're going to see certain things, and certain things are not what they seem but you're in that room for a while. But when you go into that room, even though you may not know the way out, you know in your mind there is a way out. 
You're not panicking. You're just, you're just, you just want to finish in the time. You want to beat someone else's record. You want to do that. And if you're competitive, you don't even care about your team. You're just trying to figure out by yourself. Just speaking to you, those of you who are competitive. You're in that situation, but you're not stuck. You don't stay there and say, I can't figure this out. I guess I'm going to live here. I guess I might as well go to sleep. You know that there's a way out. You know that there's a way out of this room, even though it's that difficult. But what we normally do when it comes to a temptation, and it's that difficult, we make the decision to just live there. You say, I guess I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just going to live here. And we stay in an, in an addiction or a habit that we know is not of God. And God says, I have a way out for you. There's always a way to get out. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us that no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, what you're able. But with the temptation, with the temptation, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I like the word make. Because the devil makes no room for escaping. But God does. That even though the temptations will come our way, God says, no, it looks like you're trapped, but I, I made a way. Yeah, but it's just too difficult for me. But I made a way. So what Jesus is telling us is to pray in advance before the temptation comes. To be ready for the temptation when it comes so that you have the confidence, you have the wisdom, you have, you have the plan of direction to take when the temptation comes. If, if you don't have a, a plan of direction to take when the temptation comes, by the time the temptation comes, it's too late to try and figure things out. That's why we fall prey to temptations. But if you put what we call boundaries together in your life, then when the temptation comes, you know exactly what to do. In the beginning, when I was stopping, when I was uh, getting rid of drinking or, or, you know, stopping from drinking alcohol, I had to think about when I go to parties. Nowadays, I have a hydro flask that I, you know, I'll carry water with, but back then, we just had water bottles. So I'd always make sure that I had a water bottle when I went to a party because now I have something in my hand, and if people see me with a water bottle in my hand, they're less likely to offer me something to drink. So I narrowed the, the chances of someone offering me something by just carrying a bottle of water. So you do certain things to help you. You may even tell your friends, hey guys, just letting you guys know, I don't smoke anymore. And they're going to laugh and be like, yeah, you said that like 10 months ago. You said that again and again. This is like your 15th time quitting. Yeah, but this time it's for real. Yeah, I, I'm quitting. So stop offering me stuff. So you're taking a stand. You're doing something. You're, you're setting in advance. You're letting people know that you're no longer doing these things. You have to take a stand. One of the boundaries that I have, especially when I travel, is that I will not be in an, in, an elevator with another woman. It's just a boundary that I have. It's not because uh, I'm trying to be legalistic and, you know, I, I try to do everything perfectly. It's just so that I'm not in an elevator with a woman. And part of it is not, not just temptation, because Heidi is the most beautiful lady in the world, but it's also, sorry, so sorry, she's going to give me lickings later, but it's also, let's just say I'm traveling and I'm by myself, and this lady starts up a conversation, very innocent. Someone who knows me, but I don't know, walks into that conversation and is very uncomfortable because they walk in and say, oh, the pastor, oh, he's with the lady. Oh, what am I going to do? Oh, my goodness, he's having an affair. What am I going to do? I don't know what to do. And then when they leave, I don't know that person. They go back home here and say, oh, my goodness, I don't know what to do. The pastor was with a lady traveling. He stayed in L.A. And then now here are all these things that come out and rumors, and then now I have to defend myself. I don't have the time nor want to waste energy trying to defend myself on something I could have avoided in the first place. That's a boundary for me. But if I don't have these boundaries prior to, and then I find myself in an elevator with another woman, and then she starts hitting on me, not likely, but if she does, I'm stuck. Like, oh, I'm a Christian. I don't like being mean. So uh, I'll go talk back. How's it, honey? Like, uh, like well, <laughs> what do you do? You're in the moment. Of course, you wouldn't say that, but now you're stuck. If you don't figure these things out before the temptation hits, or you're in that situation, 
what are you going to do? You, you cannot wait for that temptation to make the decision to withstand it. You don't wait for that. That's why Jesus said, pray like this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's saying, you gotta be ready. You need to make yourself ready before the temptation comes. Otherwise, when it hits, you're done. It is too late. See, what prayer doesn't do is remove the temptations and its challenges. When Jesus says, pray this prayer, he's reminding us of God's nature, of God's ability, of God's strength, and God's love for us. And, and this one is very important, God's character to deliver us from evil in whatever way possible. If you have to, if you have to put some boundaries on your phone because you're tempted to view images that you shouldn't be, put those apps that will help you. Give, give your password to your spouse. Heidi has all of my passwords for everything. Susan, who's my assistant, can go on my computer. She has all the passwords to everything. I, I need to do that because it, it keeps me accountable so that Heidi at any time can go on my phone. My grandkids can go on my phone. Actually, I should change the code for them because they upload all kinds of games and apps. But if these things are luring you and enticing you, just get that app out that is enticing you or if there's a website that is enticing you, you put blocks on it, whatever you have to do. Like really think these things through beforehand so that when it does come, you know exactly what to do. You close that app. You close, uh, shut that window. Close your computer. Run away if you have to. That's what the Bible says. It says flee from, lust, from youthful lust. Like flee from it. Run from it. If you have to physically run from it, then do that. Because that's something that God gave to you to run away from. So if you see me running around in church, (laughs) I'm running away from a temptation. Whatever it is. Do whatever you have to. Because whatever you need to do in order to overcome that temptation, whatever you have to do, God says the promise that is available to you, the joy that you'll have is worth that. Whatever it would be. See, God's promise to us is that when temptation comes, that he's going to deliver us from evil. He says there is a guarantee way out. He's guaranteeing a way out. Rather than us just falling prey to whatever the devil's going to do or whatever fleshly desires we have. Now you may think, well, what does prayer have to do with the temptations that are going to be happening. If I pray back here, what, what, what is it going to do for here in the future? Here's the greatest thing about God is he's eternal. He's eternal. So when we're praying to him here in 2019 and a temptation is going to hit us in 2021 as we're praying, lead us not into temptation and we're constantly saying, Lord, here, empower me, strengthen me. Before this one hits, did you know that you're going to go through small ones here? This is the big one, but here are all the small ones. And he says, you're going to overcome this, 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 and this, and I'm going to build your spiritual muscles so when this comes, as huge as it was a year from now, it's going to be this small when you get there compared to the strength that you'll have through my spirit because he's eternal. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18 tells us, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, when we seek God, he's going to deliver us out of temptation. It's going to be him. All we need to do is commit ourselves to walk in victory in him. It's, it's walking a life of victory in him that we're able to overcome. We, have tr- we, can, we, we can have a victorious life. We'll be able to triumph over any type of obstacle and temptation that comes our way and have dominion. Or we would be able to have the power over anything that tries to conquer us and destroy us or control us. A faith against temptations is a life that counts on God's deliverance because he is absolutely able to deliver us. I want to close with this scripture. And Grayson, you can come to the keyboard. And in the book of Hebrews, it gives us this, uh, this reminder. And it's talking about Jesus Christ. And it says, 
because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So whenever you and I are tempted, always know that Jesus is right there and he gives us the spirit and the power to overcome the temptation and even save us from the suffering that he went through. That's why he gives us the power. And tonight, that's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray a faith against temptations that God would do something great as we go through different temptations or when it comes our way. Would you bow your heads with me? You can close your Bible and put away your notes. But let's pray that tonight. Lord, as we bow our heads and and set our hearts on you and, and reflect and ponder on your word, we know that you yourself went through suffering. You suffered when you were tempted. But you're able to help us as we go through temptation because you already went through it. You understand what is required and you're able to make a way out for us. Our responsibility is to be committed to you, to seek you, to remember that our victory is in you, that we always have an escape route that you have made for us. But unless we're seeking you out, unless we're praying to you, we wouldn't know that. So tonight I pray for all of us that as the body of Christ, as individuals in your body, that we would be members of the body of Christ that is able to have a faith against temptations, that we pray, Lord God, to lead us not into temptation but to deliver us from the evil one let nothing inside of us be of the enemy we, we, we have no part with the enemy devil you have no permission to come into our lives we won't let anything of the devil come in Lord we let you into our hearts shine your light into our hearts bring your spirit into our hearts and strengthen us by the power of the Holy Spirit We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you strengthen us, you empower us to become more the person that we were created to be. Jesus, you overcame the cross and the grave and you you resurrected from the dead to give us eternal life, but not just eternal life. You gave us power to live life on this earth when temptations come. And so, Lord, we thank you for empowering us. I pray over my brothers and sisters tonight for the encouragement and the strength that they need from you regardless of whatever circumstance they may be in or whatever temptations may come their way may we be an overcomer just as you have promised us that we could be we pray this in Jesus precious name and we all said together amen 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 Jesus overcame for us so we can do the same let's thank him